Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy who has always considered himself clean, but I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> and I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And Jenny's here with us today. Hi. I'm here. And we're going to... Yeah. Well, oh, I'm Jenny and I'm sober. I thought I'd throw that one in there. <laughs> She's a teetotaler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to talk about the idea of being clean and, and what that really means. I, I think I've always thought I knew what that meant. And, and I don't know, further thought and discussion, maybe I'm not so sure. But before we hop into that, I did want to mention uh, John B. Uh, he's a runner, apparently, because that's in his Instagram name that he's a runner. Uh, and I think I've actually seen running video of him. He, he runs a long distance. Um, but he, he commented on our moving episode. And he said that it was a good listen. He said he's a believer in attending meetings in the location you're moving to ahead of the move. And then letting them know you're moving soon. And he his belief is to get a new sponsor and home group ASAP. And, you know, whether you let go of your old group gradually or, or right away doesn't make a difference. But it was interesting because, you know, when we had that talk, uh, the gentleman didn't change sponsors. Like, he's like 10 years into yeah. this move and he's still got his sponsor from his original location. And, and you mentioned sponsoring a guy that moved to Florida for a good amount of time. Right. And, like... You know, but I, I think his theory is you, you need to change and get somebody in your, your proper location. Um, another comment we had gotten was about the AA episode, and this is kind of long, so bear with me. Uh, the Easier Softer Way said, love this episode. Funny, when I started going to AA, they said the same thing, that NAers still drank alcohol. When I first got sober, I assumed I'd go to NA, and in fact, I'm in Pennsylvania. I went to some good NA while in treatment. But when I moved to Florida shortly after, there were less N.A. within walking distance, and the one I went to was not very good. Seemed like a lot of bragging about how much worse each other's habits were, like a pissing match or something. Uh, never went back, lived close to some A.A. and just stuck with it. That was in the early 2000s. I'm sure it's changed since then, but it's, it's funny some of the language. I think because I was so desperate at the time and saw it working for others, I didn't care about what language I used. It could have been in Latin, and I still would have been down. As far as mentioning drugs in the meeting, it's been a long time since anyone had a problem with that. And I hardly know anyone at AA meetings that didn't also do drugs. But that wasn't the case in the early 2000s. And I remember people ha saying, this is AA where we talk about alcohol. I remember resenting it too, but a drug is a drug is a drug. And I learned that it didn't matter. That I could say alcohol or alcoholic and have it be all-encompassing. I think much of that is gone as many of those old-timers are gone. Current generation of old-timers are from the 60s, right? Anyway, been loving the podcast, especially related to the guest's experience, including the back to basics and multiple times through the steps in different ways. Something's working. So thank you, people, for, for the comments. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Sarah, for the continued contributions that help us make this work. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Pretty awesome. And we're apparently we've moved up on that blog list of 
top recovery blogs to number three now. So oh, awesome. That's we awesome. must have had a really good episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank or you it's listeners. entirely made up. But either way, <laughs> we're number three. So fuck it. Um, so clean, right? We're having this discussion yesterday. We got to hang out uh, outside of doing the podcast for a little yeah. while, which was fun. And, you know, I went. I had to share a meeting. Uh, I ended up talking about the the gentleman that was a friend of mine that had passed away. You know, he would have been there at that meeting. Like that was our next planned event to meet up at. And uh, just got to kind of thinking about that, how we say like, you know, this one or that one died clean and, and they got their infinity medallion and all this great sound and shit that we say when people died, I guess, to try to make ourselves feel better. But the fact of the matter is, and, and I'm not... I'm not downing my friend uh, that has passed away, and, and maybe it's not the fact of the matter because facts are pretty subjective a lot of times, but this dude was like between 350 and 400 pounds, right? He had nine years clean and didn't pick up a drug again, but was he really free from active addiction, right? How many meals did he sit at saying, I should probably not eat more of this, and yet I don't have control over this next choice, right? Just like the drug in my mind. And this isn't a belittling of him. I sit here, I vape. I got my own vices that I struggle to say no to or that maybe control me. But I look at it and I say, is that really, I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean for being clean, right? He's still struggling with addiction, obviously. It fucking killed him as far as I'm concerned. Granted, some other factors go into heart attacks, but like, I'm sure the obesity problem did not help. And so this really got us, uh, me and Billy and another gentleman, talking about the idea of clean and what that means. And so I wanted to come on. I, I We also talked about the whole Suboxone thing and NA's view of that. And <laughs> it was a, a lengthy discussion. But so I guess I have always assumed when I go in a meeting and somebody picks up a six-month key tag, a multiple-year key tag, they're celebrating an anniversary besides the fact that I'm like, fuck, it's an anniversary. I don't want to be here anymore. Um I'm like, oh, I know what that means about them. That means they're clean. And that means they don't use drugs, I guess. <laughs> and, and I've always just taken that for granted. And thinking more about it, I don't know what the fuck that means, right? Uh, I celebrate clean time, right? I pick up a key tag. I definitely drink coffee. Caffeine is a drug. It's listed. It's mind and mood altering. I definitely sit here each week and vape. That's a nicotine's a drug. It's minor mood altering, right? If I, when I had a surgery in recovery, I took prescription narcotics because that's what I was suggested by the professionals. That's minor mood altering. That's a drug. I have taken depression medication, Prozac. Uh, I'm assuming that's altering my mind and mood, right? (laughs) People take Xanax when prescribed. Like, what the fuck does clean really mean? And do I know, I think I know a lot littler about when people say they're clean now than I used to thinking about that. So that's where we're starting. Yeah. And <laughs> I have had the same, I guess, I don't know, struggle. I wouldn't call it a struggle, but the same thoughts about being clean and what that means and and abstinence from drugs. And we actually had some people in this area a few years back that argued that alcohol and tobacco were using and that if you were i mean not alcohol i'm sorry caffeine (laughs) yeah Yeah, alcohol is using for sure um (laughs) no no, that caffeine and nicotine were using and that in their meetings they were telling people if you used caffeine or nicotine you were not clean 
and in the area it was a big uproar and they tried to get him removed from the meeting schedule and all sorts of stuff but and we did reach out to uh, this is in narcotics anonymous we reached out to world services and asked them their opinion of that stuff and they didn't have a very clear opinion they didn't have a, a answer you know so na world service might think caffeine and nicotine is using yeah <laughs> well so the kind of and i can't remember now because that was probably 18 17 18 years ago if not longer and i can't remember specifically the language but the general uh takeaway that i remember from what their response was was that these are personal decisions that's why you have a sponsor and a support group and a network and you guys talk about those things and figure out what does that mean to you you know if you're on you know medication prescribed by a doctor you know whether you're clean or not is i mean it's everybody has opinions on shit it doesn't really matter it's really up to the individual to decide what that means for them and whether that's you know whether they want to consider themselves clean or not. Well, and I think that's where it gets super interesting, right? Because that, part of the discussion we had uh, after lunch yesterday was the idea of somehow we can definitely assuredly believe that people on Suboxone are not clean, right? They don't fit into the NA version of complete abstinence. And, and this caffeine nicotine idea really got me thinking of well we've kind of the only distinction between caffeine nicotine and any other drug is the fact that we as a society or we as a group of people in this fellowship have decided they're acceptable right there's no other distinction there's no biological or scientific distinction between them right like they're all drugs they're all classified the same if you look at the science so if we can decide that, why can't it be just as easy to say, fuck it, people on Suboxone ain't dying, they're clean. Why do we even need to argue? Like, that's where I found it really fascinating that we, like, hold steadfast to this idea that, no, Suboxone can't be clean. It's endangering our program. But it's like, well, we just fucking decided that caffeine and nicotine were clean. How? <laughs> just because we fucking wanted to, right? Like, I... Well, I don't know <laughs> just because we wanted to. There is a level of... uh whatever you call it, legality and social acceptability to caffeine and nicotine that, you know, back 10 years ago, even uh, Suboxone wasn't the type of conversation that it is now. Like it's, it's way more relevant now. And some people's attitudes in 12 step fellowships are changing. I believe you had said you heard a lady say she was celebrating 10 years and eight of that she was on maintenance. Yeah, eight and a half. So she obviously, that's a new attitude. That was like five years ago. Right. And that, <laughs> but I mean, just that thing, that's a whole new right. attitude that you would not have heard 10 or 15 years ago. Like no one would have let that fucking person. Well, right. <laughs> and, well, and, and that was my baffling question. At the time, I was like somewhat offended. Right. And I was like, yeah, oh, my God, people let her celebrate for eight years. <laughs> and now I look at it and I say, what if, years. <laughs> right. I, I, but I look at it and I say, what if they wouldn't have let her celebrate? Would she be the one who went out and overdosed because she was shamed and pushed away and disconnected? And I think that's a lot of my argument. Right. How many people are we hurting by saying you're not clean instead of just letting them hang out until they decide if they decide they want something different? 
right? And that's where I think our recovery language of clean, relapse, chronic relapse, or separation, disconnection, shame, a lot of our language seems shame-based. And that's what I think I'm, I'm somewhat offended by. And, and I guess my argument against your social acceptability of tobacco and nicotine is that alcohol has that same social acceptability, and yet we don't make that distinction that we can do that. So we have arbitrarily decided that nicotine and caffeine are acceptable for no good reason, just because we want to. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I, I would agree to some extent. I would say there's a little bit of difference. Most people are not, you know, spending their entire bank accounts on coffee and cigarettes. Well, <laughs> like, I, okay. You know, I would actually... Wrecking the family car. I would say there's <laughs> like, plenty of people who can't move up to the next socioeconomic level because they buy a carton of cigarettes each week oh, or because agree. they're at Starbucks twice a day every day getting a $7 drink, right? And they don't feel the ability to not do those kind of behaviors. And, and I, I think the, really the distinction for us is that the consequences probably aren't as big. Right. Like they're not yeah. as big and obvious and visible. Not many people get locked up for smoking too many cigarettes or for, you know, snatching the old lady's purse to get a coffee from Starbucks. Like, I don't hear that too much on the news, but. <laughs> right. They don't generally have the extremes of unmanageability that would yeah. come along with other using of other. Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know. So what is NA's definition of clean? You said you found that. What is that? Uh, yeah, so they have an uh, informational pamphlet in Narcotics Anonymous that they released for uh, treatment providers that provide medicated-assisted treatment. And in there, it says helpful explanation of common NA terms. And one of those terms is clean. And it says clean in NA typically refers to being free of all drugs or abstinent. However, an addict who is not clean is free to attend meetings. We hope through attending a meeting, addicts will gain a sense of belonging and identification with other recovering addicts. Abstinence and membership are not synonymous terms. Membership is based on a desire to stop using, not abstinence itself. Our program of recovery begins with abstinence from all drugs, including alcohol. Sometimes people come to NA meetings while still using drugs, detoxing from drugs, or on a replacement therapy. Regardless of what you may be taking when you first come to NA, you are welcome. So so go back to that clean thing, abstinent from all drugs was the clean definition? Typically refers to being free of all drugs or abstinent. So did you have coffee this morning? Uh, I'm having coffee now. I had coffee this morning <laughs> and I'm vaping, so we're both using. Yeah. By that definition. Like if we're going to say free from all drugs, there's no distinction in that. And yet we readily make one for these circumstances that we decided were okay, but we're still so hard pressed to say we can't make that distinction for Suboxone. Do we need a clarification of illicit drugs? Is that a word? <laughs> Alcohol is not illicit, is it? I don't, I'm not even sure what illicit means. I think it means illegal. <laughs> I've just heard that term a lot. <laughs> so, so Sounds fancy, makes me sound it educated sound when bad. I say illicit drugs. Illicit drugs. <laughs> that's NA's definition of clean. Recovery Dharma. What does recovery dharma say about clean and abstinence and using? We we're going to get you in here. We're waiting for your time. Oh, Don't worry. yeah, no, I, I, I was so fascinated listening. Um, <laughs> I mean, let me just interject too. Like, is the difference just the legality? Like, so suboxone is prescribed. Like, is that and so it's legal? I know people can abuse prescribed drugs, but if you're just using it as prescribed, then is that well? So, and you know, that's where it gets trickier, I think, because we talked about this. Billy brought up yesterday the idea of. 
somebody who ends up in chronic back pain might get prescribed a narcotic for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. But we kind of waffle on whether they're clean or not. Yeah, that one's a little trickier. So NA does take a more specific stance on drugs used to treat addiction. So in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, the belief is that we use the 12 steps and the spiritual principles within the 12 steps to treat addiction. We don't use a drug. So like a maintenance program is using a drug to treat addiction where we use a different method methodology to treat addiction. I would actually disagree with that though. I don't think we use Suboxone to treat addiction as defined in in Narcotics Anonymous because we say addiction is all-encompassing. It's not the drugs you used. So really, Suboxone is used to treat a heroin problem, an opiate problem. People still would need to work on their addiction to not overeat, to not oversex, to not cheat on their wife, to not gamble all their life savings away. Like the addiction piece would still be there. Suboxone's not treating that. It's treating the heroin use. So by NA's definition, I would say that's actually yeah, inaccurate. Yeah, but I think Narcotics Anonymous designs its, I mean, identifies itself as treatment from drug addiction. Like that's where our identification comes no from. No way. No way. It definitely says in our literature that it's it's all encompassing and it's about the allergic reaction we have to substances and behaviors and, and something along those lines. I can't quote it because I'm not a fucking literature quoter, yeah, but it definitely no, talks yeah. about the addiction being more than just the drug. It's the obsession and compulsion that takes us over. So if you take Suboxone for, for heroin, right? But you honestly believe, I mean, you've been around long enough. You honestly believe that NA is really for gambling addicts, sex addicts, that, that they will be able to come here and feel comfortable and be at home here and that this program really is for everyone or it's really for people with a drug problem. I believe it is for people who have had drugs as a manifestation of their addiction. But ultimately, if you're really recovering, it is a program about the underlying addiction, not about the drugs. So no, For some think... people, I wouldn't even, I mean, I would say... If you just come here and get clean, I don't think you're in recovery. Right, but that's an opinion that you have. That's I wouldn't say that's the stance of Narcotics Anonymous. Or... Sure it is. If you're not working the 12 steps, you're not working the program. That actually is not true. So there is a reading in our uh, – and I learned this because I thought the same thing. So I just learned this recently. There's a reading in one of our daily meditations that says the program is – Go into meetings, the fellowship, the 12 steps. Like it says that so the program specifically is all of those things, okay. right? So if you're not doing some of those, then you're not really working the program. You're working half the program. Maybe. I mean, so what's the, I mean, so I guess what are you trying to distinguish? Like you're a member when you say you are, and of the, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop Of the using. fellowship. But what are you trying to distinguish? I'm trying to say that I, I don't think our, I mean, the question was, is our program there to treat addiction or is it there to treat drug addiction? And our program, I believe Narcotics Anonymous says clearly in its literature, our program is to treat the Narcotics Anonymous program. I'm saying our, yeah, is to treat addiction. Now we welcome in people who have manifested that oh. addiction in the area of drugs at some point in time. I don't think, mm. see, I look at it complete opposite. You think it's there I to treat drug addiction? It's primarily to treat drug addiction. And if you use it in all areas of your life, it can help you in all those other oh, areas. I gotta search the but literature. I 
look at it the opposite. Like my thing is NA is, you know, because that's why, like me personally, I would encourage people if they have like gambling issues or other issues, I would encourage them to seek help in those fellowships. You know what I mean? I don't think that NA can help people with those issues. I mean, okay, I, I, let me rephrase that. It can help, but I don't think that's going to be a primary source for them. I think seeking help outside of one fellowship for specific issues with another addiction is very, very useful. Well, and this is where it gets tricky, right? I think if gambling was only your ever problem, if that's the only place you've ever seen the disease manifest, then you probably don't belong in NA to begin with. But if you've come here because drugs have been part of your problem and NA helps you with that, I think the program is sufficient to help you with any manifestation that comes after you put down the drugs. I would still suggest people go to those other outside fellowships just for the ability to relate in and and feel connected to people who also have that problem. I feel like going to those fellowships, if I'm a sex addict and I go to a sex addict fellowship, I feel a lot less shame because I meet other people like me and I don't feel alone. So I don't, it's not that I think necessarily that their program is better able to treat these things. It's the same 12 steps and we use them exactly the same way. I just think it's for the identity and the comparison in that helps and a place to talk about those specific issues because you don't want to go into a, a NA meeting and share about, I gambled all my money last night or, right, or that's but I'm, my only I, issue. I am, and again, I'm not the exact literature guy either, but I would definitely say in our literature, it's pretty clear it's about drug addiction and that yes it can help you with all these other things but i don't i don't think as a program we're not like we really think we can fix all your problems like i don't think that's i'm pretty sure we say does aa say that they can fix everyone's problems with everything question i you know know, you're you're the spokesman for AA. they got 12 promises I'm definitely not like an AA lawyer like you guys are NA lawyers, but um, we are. We just think we (laughs) just pretend. Yeah, obviously neither of us know what we're talking about. (laughs) But I, uh, while you guys were talking, I remember. So AA has the the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking, and then we'll get hung up in discussions about that because then there's folks who are on the marijuana maintenance program, so they'll come into AA, but they think smoking pot's fine, and then. So they'll be like, but the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. So I'm I'm cool, right? And actually, now that marijuana is like on the border of being legal, and I think people are abusing uh, prescribed marijuana. They're like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to pass. It's prescribed. And I'm like, oh, is that really how you're supposed to use it? But, you know, I don't know. I, you know, that's not really my world or field of expertise. But back when I went to AA a lot, when there was ever a Tradition 3 topic that that was the argument. And also while you guys were talking, I remember this one guy in AA who used to argue that allergy medicine was not sober. Um, mm. You know, uh, and then people around the room would snicker or whatever because a lot of people are on mental health related drugs to keep them stable. So it's not just giving up alcohol or marijuana or or pills, but like some folks think, yeah, no coffee, no nicotine, no allergy medicine, no, uh, like some people are bragging, like I went through this without a aspirin and like, well, good for you, buddy. You know? So here's a quote from our basic text. One of the first ones that mentions anything about it. It says, based on our experience, we believe that every addict, including the potential addict, suffers from an incurable disease of body, mind, and spirit. We were in the grip of a hopeless dilemma 
the solution of which is spiritual in nature. Therefore, this book will deal with spiritual matters. And to me, that says that addiction is an underlying spiritual malady, not a drug problem. I'm just asking you, as a rational human being, do you really think that Narcotics Anonymous is not focused on treatment of the disease of drug addiction? <laughs> like, did you First, go there? Would you tell someone who had some other kind of problem, you should go to NA because they really help with every kind of addiction, not just drug addiction. You'll hear a lot of drug talk there, but that's really not what they do. That's you no, no, and again, I think <laughs> again, I think that's the distinction. As long as drugs have been a manifestation of your addiction, yes, you're welcome here. I don't. So I think you had to have had a problem with drugs in order to first come. But I'm pretty sure our literature states that the drugs are not the problem. But that general concept <clears throat> is why. I mean, because what you're really talking about is if this practice of 12 steps can work in anyone's lives. And that, I think, is 100% true. You can monkey around the wording because that's what all the A fellowships do is we monkey around the wording in the 12 steps. But it's really the 12 steps that are a spiritual path to recovery and fulfillment of life. It's not specifically the fellowship. I think where the, the fellowships distinguish is in what they use as their identification for their specific members. That's why people can go to, let's say, AA, like we talked about with Lewis. People can go to AA and then use that for their drug addiction, but they still try to use the language and identification of AA. They don't, you know what I mean? But they're really just using the 12 steps. And so we can take the 12 steps and monkey the words around a little bit and use them to treat any problem. Step one, our inability to control our usage of drugs is a symptom of the disease of addiction. So just like I would not say... Correct. We say it's a physical, mental, and spiritual right, disease. Right. So just like I wouldn't say my runny nose is my problem, it's the cold I have underlying that. The drugs are not my problem. It's the actual addiction I have underlying that. So if I can't... Agreed, 100%. So I'm in here to treat addiction, which is the point I was trying to make. So it, it, we're just... But you're asking... It, I'm saying it, Suboxone does not treat the underlying addiction, is, was my point. And you were saying Suboxone treats drugs, which it does. But it doesn't treat addiction. It treats the runny nose. It doesn't treat the cold. I don't know enough about what the doctors say about that therapy to say whether they tell people they need other help or whether they don't. Oh. I just don't know. Well, I can't the, the doctors sure. aren't treating addiction. The doctors are treating a heroin problem. They're treating an opiate problem. That's what I'm getting at. We're saying you can't use a well, that's drug. that's only if you believe that addiction is a physical, mental, spiritual disease and that you believe that there's other underlying symptoms well, and all these the other things that Anonymous are still... Program. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about NA says Yeah, but you can't... NA's program is also about drug addiction. Like you can't pick and choose pieces. Like it's it's the whole thing. It's treatment from a drug addiction with the 12 steps of narcotics anonymous. I don't know. That's not what I yeah. just read to me. That's like saying I I don't I don't get it. Like I I really can't get where you're coming from with that. You don't think NA is primary focus on drug addiction? I think it treats people whose disease manifested in drugs, which is what I keep trying to say, but I don't feel like so you're you hearing think... that. So you think... Like, if we were a treatment program for colds with people who had runny noses, if you only had colds that gave you sore ears and a sore throat, no, you wouldn't find much solace in our program. But as long as you've had a runny nose at some point, 
Our program isn't to treat the runny nose. It's to treat all of it. Yeah, but we there's also differences of opinion on how you treat, let's say, a mental illness. There are certain psychiatrists that believe the only thing you need to treat a certain mental illness is a drug. You give the people that drug, that's what they need, that'll treat their mental illness. Then there's other doctors that say, no, you need a more holistic approach. Whatever the doctors are telling the people, you know, like your belief is that addiction is this underlying thing with physical, mental, spiritual well, disease. NA's. And that's what I believe as well. That's NA's definition. Right. But if I go to a doctor and they say, oh, you have addiction. All you need is this Suboxone. Have a nice day. Yeah. But we're not talking about whether the doctors think people on Suboxone are clean. We're talking about does NA by its definition think people on Suboxone are clean? No, we're talking about whether treating addiction is with Suboxone is treating addiction. Yes, or not. because NA's definition of and I'm saying that's an opinion. Not well, a, well, NA is saying if you use a drug to treat addiction, you're not clean. And I'm saying Suboxone is not used to treat addiction. It's used to treat an opiate problem, and the addiction will still be there even if you treat the opiate problem by NA's definitions, not by my opinion or a doctor's opinion. Because NA's definition of addiction is not the drug use. That's a symptom of it. But then you get into a whole thing. Can you really sp treat a spiritual condition if you're under the influence of Narcotics Anonymous? I mean, if you're under the influence of a drug. Like, can you work steps and get the same benefits of the program with someone that's using... I don't know. People do it on substance. Prozac. People do it on Xanax. Well, right, but on... that's a whole... There's a whole... But we say those Belief aren't being used to treat the addiction. They're being used to treat symptoms. Depression is probably a symptom of the disease of addiction, right? We're treating Can be, yeah. So we're treating the symptom with the medicine, just like we're treating the opiate use with the medicine. And now we're going to work on treating addiction with the program of NA. Because addiction is not the drug use. <laughs> yeah, it's different, though. I mean, it just to <laughs> me, it's very different. You're, you're using a medication to treat your... A symptom. And, but it's a very mind-altering symptom. I, I'm just going with what the literature said. It said that the drug use was not our problem. That's just a symptom of the disease of addiction. And so if we're only treating But you're treating saying symptom, that Suboxone only treats the symptom of addiction, and I don't know that that's true. Yeah, it only treats the fact that you use heroin. It doesn't like... But it numbs the spiritual aspect of your whole... I mean, the people... The reason people abusively use Suboxone is it because it has definite effects on your mind and spirit. <laughs> know what else no, numbs the mind and spirit? Tobacco, nicotine, caffeine, sex, like food, work, uh, all these things. Numb, cell phones, compulsive scrolling on cell phones, well, reading. forms of addiction, right? It depends uh, on how, yeah, what yeah. you're addictive. Well, and that's what I'm saying. We make these distinctions and let it be fine in other places, but we're so staunch about why Suboxone is not okay. And I just think that it I don't know fine, in. though. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, if I know I have a friend or someone I'm close to in a fellowship that's struggling with other forms of addiction, I don't think I just go, oh, that's cool. Just keep doing that. That's cool. Cheat on your wife and spend all your money. That's cool. As long as you just stay clean, that's all that matters. But like, you definitely don't say they're not clean. No. We have an understanding or, or a general understanding of what that term means. And what I'm getting at is that understanding is completely fucking made up. That's what I'm saying. We've completely made up and agreed upon it for the most part. We all mostly agree. Consensus. Right? There's yeah, some you would people say there's a say, consensus. Yeah, there's people that say nicotine okay. and caffeine aren't clean. So we've mostly agreed upon this. But honestly, 
it's completely fucking made up. It doesn't really have a solid, like, these are the three qualifications, and this is the basis for being clean, and this is what it means. Yeah, but you're going to have that with anything. Sober then why can't when we you're just in... as easily welcome in people in Suboxone and say, fuck it, whatever? Well, we do welcome them in. And say you're clean. Well, that's where you get... No, that doesn't fit the language <laughs> of our common understanding of what that means. Like, <laughs> back, back to the... What does recovery dharma say about it? Oh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> and so, we, just so I understand, so you're not clean in NA if you do Suboxone, is that? that Correct. Is, at the moment, okay. that is the general consensus. Correct. I'm not saying oh, okay. everybody believes that's, that. That's sad, because, um, I mean... Suboxone or methadone well, or thinking, any drug replacement therapy. Okay, and that, so you're not clean There's until you're done those, too, until you're done like, your medically assisted treatment, like you don't start clean time, is that accurate? Some people. So that's okay. been the generally accepted... Uh, way for the last little bit. It and that's what we just mentioned earlier. It mm. seems to be changing a little bit in certain areas, but for the most mm-hmm. part, if you, you're on medicated system pe- treatment, yeah. people will tell you you're not clean. Do you think it's changing with the same rate as harm reduction is being more acceptable? <sighs> uh, not as fast because yeah, we have people that hold on to this kind of like AA holds on Old to timer. the big book. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, we got to keep this old Wright Brothers language and talk about, you know, for the wives and all that <laughs> shit. Even though it doesn't really make sense in 2021, it's like, oh, we can't change it. It's worked forever. And uh, there's a lot of people that support. And, and I would have been one of these people. So I'm not trying to judge them too hard. Right. But they say that our program is a program of complete abstinence. And this is why it works. And And what I'm trying to challenge in this episode is. That whole complete abstinence thing is a bullshit because we use nicotine and caffeine and, and and other drugs as prescribed by doctors. And B, it's all just fucking made up. That's my my point. Because the <laughs> so the three programs that we're talking about so AANA and then Recovery Dharma or Refuge Recovery. It's all it comes back to intention. I think all three of them use the word intention. I love that. Idea. So if your intention is to get clean, and it's like such a soft goal post, you know, like. And then what does it matter? I was thinking while you guys were talking, what's it matter anyway? So you get a coin for a year. It's just like an attaboy, you know, like. This is the problem in NA though. mm -hmm. So the clean time is like the biggest achievement goal and and, and Mm -hmm. level of respect and level of privilege or whatever. Like we hold it in too high of a regard in my You guys have like a caste system in NA? Well, let me ask it in this way Mm. and see if this would hit differently. Okay. So let's say you have someone who's in. AA, who's a member, been there, celebrates anniversaries, and then they go, well, my alcohol of choice was whiskey, and now I don't drink whiskey anymore, but I have wine with dinner, you know, once a week or once a day, but I'm still sober, and I can still celebrate anniversaries. Was I mean, their intention feel to get the drunk? Same? <laughs> if, if they say, well, my intention isn't to get drunk, I'm not even getting drunk. In fact, I'm just drinking one or two glasses a day. I don't even mm. really feel it before I go to bed. Would that feel the same to you, or would you go, ooh, that doesn't sound sober? That <laughs> like, doesn't sound sober, right. right, yeah. So that's sort of, as an addict, like, I, it's fucking hard for me not to use drugs. I would love to numb myself to the yeah. fucking life, <laughs> you know, because that just feels comfortable, you know what I mean? So, and it's, I'm not saying that's what happens mm-hmm. with maintenance, I'm just saying that's the perception of, like, I have done this really hard thing, I have given up this thing and abstained from something that I want to do, and the the general 
I would say, feeling is that they're taking the fucking easy way and I had to do it the hard way. And it's like insulting. I don't think anybody could seriously go in front of a group of AAs and be like, I'm just drinking a little wine now and say they're sober. Like, and nobody would but really that's take what, them seriously. That's what it unless feels they were... like people want to do with maintenance. And so it's okay. I don't feel that way. I feel like I gained. I'm the one who got all the gains of being completely abstinent in my version of completely abstinent. And so I don't feel like somebody else doing it, even if we want to call it an easier way, takes anything from me. Suboxone's prescribed. Wine isn't. Ah. So that's where some of this gets tricky (laughs) What if it is prescribed? (laughs) Right. And and so that's where some of this gets a little tricky. And I'm really playing a lot of devil's advocate here just for the fun of the conversation. I my general belief is that I would take it as a one-on-one situation with an individual. If I sponsored someone who was in a car accident and had to go on some sort of of opiate or some sort of methadone for pain management, that would be a really individual conversation that I would have to have with that person and sit down with before I would say you know, yeah, I support you in being clean or if I don't know if I can support that. Like that would just be an individual conversation I would have. But in general, as a fellowship, this idea of abstinence from, I don't know, illicit, illegal drugs, including alcohol, it, you know, that's like sort of the, the line. It's not – it gets a little blurry, but it's not as blurry within the fellowship. Like if you polled 30 people in a meeting – one would be confused, and the other 29 would probably have a pretty similar opinion, I would think. I guess I'm the confused one. <laughs> no, I don't think you're confused. And and again, I actually, in us talking, I am way more sympathetic to some of this than I'm kind of letting on. But the truth is, I think it's important that we maintain some line in the sand, and we say this is what our fellowship is about. And, and we welcome anyone, and anyone's willing to come, and it's free to everyone who wants to try it. But this is kind of what the way that we do it here and there's nothing wrong with what you're doing but it's not really right for you to come here and then tell us we need to change what we're doing to suit some other way that's that's sort of where i kind of hold the line of like well this is the general consensus of what we believe this is what what the the general understanding of clean the general understanding of treating addiction you know This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What if there was some way to numerically, scientifically show that that message was actually assisting more people dying 
than helping more people. Would you say then that maybe Narcotics Anonymous has to change their ideas? Uh, well, there's a lot of ifs. I mean, would it change the how many people wouldn't come or how many people would have issues if a bunch of people were on maintenance programs? I mean, you can't measure out. I mean, I guess if you're doing a net sum, you know, you could figure it out that way. But I know, like, so there's been a big issue with recovery housing in the area and a lot of recovery housing now, you have to allow people on medicated assisted treatment in to get funding from the state. If you don't, if you have a completely abstinence based recovery house, you can't get certain funding. And people that have been in those houses said they don't like that because it puts them around people that are, in their opinions, using, and it's a trigger. It it makes them want to use. And, I, mm. you know, I, I I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I don't know that I would necessarily support that either way. I'm just saying, you know, those triggers, if I come into a meeting and there's someone sitting up there and they're on fucking some maintenance program and they're nodding out and running the meeting... I don't know how much credibility I could give to that person. And then in turn, the fellowship. I mean, there's dangers either way. Do they nod out when they're using it as prescribed? Suboxone? I don't think so. I don't. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and it's hard to tell because. Would that be a clue that it's abuse and not. Correct. Abuse, yeah. And so that's where some of that gets tricky because it's the same with. And again, for me as an individual where I would want to sit down, if someone's on, like, say, methadone for a maintenance program, we all know people that have been on methadone, like, just to abuse it i mean i don't know i don't know another way to say it like they're not trying to be clean they're just trying to get off of street drugs which is great that's there's no problem with that there's definite benefits to that i would support someone in wanting to do that i just wouldn't say that you know they're doing the same thing as people in a 12-step fellowship but you've also (laughs) sat on this podcast and said you know, talked about a book you read that you really believed in about how addiction is a lot about isolation, right? And how recovery is a lot about connection and getting away from that isolation. And I think our language and the stance we're taking is that shame-based, isolating, you can't be one of us language. And that's what I think is the problem that I'm running into, right? Like, I, I don't think it's inclusive. Like, A, People who asked me to sponsor them who have been high, and I knew, obviously, when they were asking me to sponsor them, they were high. I said, you know what? I'm going to fucking give them my number and say, call me like I do any other person because this is going to take care of itself. It's going to weed itself out. I hate to say that, but like, or they're going to move towards getting clean. Like One of those two things is going to happen, and I didn't think shaming them and cutting them off from a support system was the way to move towards recovery, right? And so I think our language and and our stance is pushing people towards the isolation that we believe and and you've talked about thinks ties into addiction. And so I just feel like if we changed our stance, we're welcoming them into this connection that could further them to one day want to not be on Suboxone or at least be healthier. So I'm thinking again, and what's the big deal if they... Is it ego that you're like, I have 15 oh, years Buddhism. of, you know, like genuine clean time and you just have, you know, seven because you were on mats for eight years. You know, like, I mean, if you're Ooh, thinking about just. Is it the ego? You know, oh, 100 percent. I think. All, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, and I am just as guilty of as anybody. I, all clean time is ego. <laughs> like, that's just what I believe. I yeah, mean, that's, I've considered that. Yeah, it's definitely all eight ego. and a half years clean here. Right. Does <laughs> does recovery dharma have a hard stance or definition of clean? 
I feel like recovery dharma because yeah. I don't know. I've never been there, but I feel mm-hmm. like with the Buddhism involved, it's probably more like, hey, come here and try to be healthy and in touch with yourself, no matter what the fuck you're doing. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> how we talk to each other. I, <laughs> hope. I really hope. So, um, you know, abstinence is preferred. So recovery dharma is a program that treats all addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they say primarily people who come to us is uh, drug and alcohol, but they know that people have the behaviors and like, you know, emotion addictions and people addictions and all the gambling and sex and everything else you guys listed. Um, so the intention is abstinence. And now in Buddhism, aside from recovery Dharma or refuge, um, there's the five precepts in Buddhism. You guys familiar? Anyway. Um, so for the, for the, for the, for the audience at Learn home. <laughs> yeah. So the five precepts in Buddhism are, this, this is the short version. It's a, no uh no killing no lying no stealing no sexual misconduct and no uh intoxicants so this was written back in buddha days 2600 years ago so no intoxicants back then was mostly alcohol i don't know if they just ha- they didn't have drugs like they do now they had pipes and shit did they were yeah. you not allowed to do any of that if you were um did they, they well I don't. I know that from what I've been taught, there, right? it was yeah, most, I thought the same thing. Opium, opium? Yeah. we're drug addicts. We think opium. I guess alcohol <laughs> was the big problem in the Buddha's days. This is what I was taught, and um, and so alcohol as an intoxicant, I guess it decreases mindfulness, which is a big, you know, right. principle practice in Buddhism, and also alcohol. Uh, when you're intoxicated, you'll be more likely to do the other precepts: lying, killing, stealing, sexual misconduct. So. They uh, refrain from intoxicants. Now, the difference... Is there a definition of sexual misconduct? Because I want to know what's okay. I, yeah. <laughs> Some of my practices might be... We'll talk after the show. Um, so, um... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that all up. Yeah. Um, so, the precepts are not like the Ten Commandments. So, in the Western Western world, we often think the Ten Commandments as do this or you're going to go to hell. Right. In Buddhism, it's more like practice these precepts and you'll have less suffering. Ooh. So, you know, it's a uh, refrain from intoxicants if you want to suffer less. So it's, so it's really... not like a hard and fast rule. It's more like, hey, you know, the less you do intoxicants like alcohol, the less you and the people around you are going to suffer. But okay. it's not like an absolute no. So at the Buddhist temple, if your buddy was was drinking more than you thought was a good idea, it's not like, oh, my God, you're a sinner now because mm-hmm. you're fucking up and taking intoxicants. It's more yeah. like, what a well, funny scene. <laughs> I still love you, right? I, mm-hmm. I think you'd have less suffering if you didn't do that, but that doesn't make you any less my equal. Like, you're the one who's suffering from it, unfortunately. I, right. I hope you suffer less. Yeah. For me, that so describes the problem, right, is that it's not in, you know, within NA what we say, it's how we say it to people. And I think... We just like if people came in, say they're on maintenance, welcome. Keep coming back. You're more than mm-hmm. welcome to come here. This is what should happen. I'm not saying this does because this uh, is not what happens. I don't think it's enough. But, you know, what we should be saying to people is welcome. We help people with addiction. You know, if you want to get into whether you should be getting key tags and clean time and celebrating within your home group, those are some issues you're going to run into. You know what I mean? People are going to have strong opinions about that one way or the other. I've talked to people that feel like you. I know they do exist. They aren't very open because you'll get attacked. But (laughs) (laughs) But there are other people that feel this way. There was an issue, you know, within a, a year or so ago where there was a person that wanted to celebrate. They had two years, you know clean but they had been on a maintenance program in their home group you know they had a sponsor in na who was helping them and 
the home group decided they didn't want to allow that person to celebrate there. Oh. So those things happen, but it's not like wow. that person didn't come not very nice. and get supported <laughs> and have a support group. And I don't know what's happened to them mm-hmm. since. I don't. Maybe they stayed. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. But I think the problem is not the stance. It's how do we treat people? And I think we could definitely be more welcoming and compassionate and understanding about how we treat people. But we have a fellowship and a program with certain beliefs. And we don't want to offend anyone, and anyone's welcome. Anyone can come. But this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? This is kind of how we're doing it. And if you want to do it this way, we'll help you do it this way. We don't know about this other way. We don't have an opinion on whether it works or not, whether it's good or not, whether you should or not. None of that is my fucking business. I don't have any opinion about any of that. My opinion is if you have a drug problem, you can come here. This is what we're doing. It's free. You can do this. Mm -hmm. We love you. We want you to be here. But we don't know about this other stuff. We, I can't, don't, we don't have an opinion about that. Other I don't stuff. care if you're Mr. Rogers and then you're like, hi, ho, neighbor. It's Ned Flanders, right? Hiddly ho. Hey, buddy. Welcome. But you're not clean. Like, I don't care how nicely you say it. It's fucking shaming and disconnecting. It's pushing people away. And if my belief is that connection is part of the healing in recovery that tends to lead to less addiction, then fuck whatever NA says, even if their literature contradicts itself. I need to live in that place of like, you know what, man, if you think but, you're clean, I mean, if fuck every it, statement clean. you make is you have to avoid hurting someone's feelings, then you can never hold a stance on anything. I mean, I'm going to have opinions that might hurt someone's feelings if they're overly sensitive. That doesn't mean I should just change my beliefs, you know, no, like, maybe not change the beliefs, and, but don't hold somebody else to your standards. So and, and that's I what we're doing because I never fucking read the stories in the basic <laughs> text. But apparently in our basic text now, there is a story about someone who was on a maintenance program that came and eventually got clean. Did they here. celebrate? Uh, I don't. I didn't Probably read the not. fucking story, so fucking I don't know. Facts, anonymous people. <laughs> but it is. In, it's in the new basic text. It's in one of the new stories, and they came around, and eventually they got clean. So that does happen, and apparently they weren't ridiculed and shamed, you know, out of here. They stayed. They got clean, and now they have abstinence-based recovery within the fellowship. So that right. does happen. It it is possible. But you touched on a point there, and you said you shouldn't have to change your opinion and i'm not saying change your opinion i'm saying don't hold others to your opinion when we don't know because there's no facts you it's not the fact that we say hey my opinion on suboxone is that those people aren't clean it's that we're saying you're not clean and if that person believes they are it's not in my fucking business to tell them they ain't and that's the problem it's not about you changing your opinion. It's about you holding others to that opinion. If their opinion is that they're clean, fuck it, you're clean, bro. Mm, I don't know. I, I can't say that I would agree with that. <laughs> I, I want yeah. to agree with it. Like, it seems very evolved. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I don't know. I just, I yeah. don't, I think we're pushing people away, trying to make them live by our beliefs and See, i think it's an opinion yeah and and i and again a lot of this is it's very open it's not supposed to be i think they do this shit on purpose like we figured out with the traditions a lot of this stuff isn't written in stone it's like just commonly held beliefs which should be subject to discussion i mean that's why i don't mind talking about this stuff and mulling over these ideas because i i want to be in the solution, not the problem. You know what I mean? I want to help people. But at the same time, I, I feel like there is a need to sort of protect and and defend what 
NA has done for me in my life. And I can't say if it was different if it would have done the same thing. So, so tell I mean? me this. I just with can't your, say I would have had the same outcome. With your caffeine today, that problem that happened years back where the, the group wanted to have no caffeine or nicotine in their clean version, right? The area decides, yeah, that's that makes sense. I get it, right? They are drugs. Fuck it. We're all going to believe that in this area. And they tell you you can't celebrate your next anniversary because you had caffeine. Do you stop going to the meetings? Whether you're connected or they were nice to you or not? Yeah, it's hard to say. I stopped oh. going to meetings for way less than that. Well, right, but that's what I'm saying. So we're, we're, we're owning that we are pushing people out no matter how nice we are. As long as we're telling them that they're not clean by our beliefs, we're owning that. We're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. People will probably stop coming over that. No matter how nice we say it to them, they're probably going to stop coming because what's the fucking point of coming Correct. if you're not but, part of us? I mean, there is an identification that like we have a fellowship that is a certain a certain way. Like, And, and I know what you're saying we should evolve, but the, the evolutions of what, at least is my opinion, whatever the evolutions of 12-step recovery fellowships are is something like recovery cafe or these more centralized all-inclusive recovery modalities maybe something like recovery dharma like those are the the next evolution i don't think we should make what's there change i don't think any of us should go in and i mean no one went in and like forced aa to be like well now you have to take these drug addicts you have to take people that are have drug problems and and you need to change your language and you need to change your beliefs and change everything that you're saying because this is a new problem and everybody's suffering from it. And now you need to change to fit this. Well, and like, that will, would be wrong. And they will change and adjust as its members change and adjust. Right. And so I'm saying to you, if you believe that connection is part of the defeating addiction and you believe that fentanyl is fucking killing people every day, why don't you think? Hey, fuck it. I, I know if I tell you you're not clean, no matter how nicely I do it, I'm pushing you away. Why wouldn't I just want to not say that? I can hold that belief, but why wouldn't I just let you believe whatever you believe and welcome you in and let you celebrate and, and want you to be here and alive instead of dead in a fucking alley? So you're asking, so if you, I was having an honest conversation with someone about this, like a one-on-one yeah. conversation, I wouldn't care whether they say they're clean or not, but I would definitely tell them they will run into resistance if they go to meetings and tell people they're clean and then say that they're on a maintenance program. They your, will 100% get some fucking flack from some people okay. in meetings. They're <laughs> like, in your home home group and the conversation comes up at, at a group conscience can they celebrate you raise your hand for yay or nay uh it depend on the individual but really yeah why because again i have known people and i know how methadone has been used and so there are ways of using it correctly and there are ways of using it not i know that suboxone, suboxone. people on the street use suboxone it's it's not so it is it's not like there's no effects to it. People do abuse Suboxone. They use it to get high. That is a thing that happens. So, again, if I were to talk to them and they say, hey, my doctor's got me on this, but whatever, I'm fucking cutting them in half. And I'm only doing half of what I'm prescribed and I'm just, you know, or even I'm only doing Why what's is that prescribed. Allowed? How come we can't take more than the doctor prescribes, but we're allowed to fuck with his prescription and take less and all of a sudden we're, we're safe then. We're not being our own doctors. Like that sounds like it should be wrong too. Well, I'm just saying like it, it would be an individual conversation. I'm not a person that would just generally make a thing and be like, up, oh, you're on MATs, you're fucking using and you, I got nothing to do with it. In that. fact, I would say, and, and, and I think I did this and I believe you said you did this, that when the doctor prescribed pain medication after our surgeries or for whatever we had, 
and we decided to take one every eight hours instead of one every four, like it was prescribed, we did not take those medications as prescribed. And technically, we that means we were not following doctor's orders and we used. If you want to get real technical, we did not take those medications as prescribed. Well, I think there's a general <laughs> understanding from most doctors that or less because they always say uh, as needed. Fuck it. I'm not clean. Or as needed. <laughs> like it says take every four hours or as needed for pain. Like okay. there's a they put a qualification and a general understanding that if you don't need it every four hours, you're not supposed to just take it. Although Jason told us different. I mean, according to the nurse from Voices. Yeah, not me. Yeah, not I this, didn't. Jason. Another, uh, an actual <laughs> nurse shit. told us that we should take pain medication as prescribed. Isn't that what he kind of said? I think so. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we talk too much. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what about this line in our literature then? Tell me, tell me, get around this one. I, I'd love to hear it. In our readings, in the beginning of every meeting, we say, all we want to know is what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. That's it. So if you want to take Suboxone to solve your problem and we can help you by letting you celebrate, why aren't we doing that? Yeah, but those are general terms in a broader context. If I just go picking out random general terms, I can find literature that'll suit anything that I want it to suit. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you got to take things in the context of what they're written and the understanding of yeah. what the program is in general. And the general context of Narcotics Anonymous is it is a 12-step fellowship to treat drug addiction. And so if I pick individual phrases out of that, I can make it suit anything that I want. But I've always, I've always found it fascinating that we really don't want to know what people want to do about their problem and how we can help. What we want to do is know... We want people to know what we want them to do about their problem and how we can help. We're telling them how we can help and telling them what we want them to do about their problem. We don't, but what it says right in the reading, all we want to know is what you want to do about your problem and how we can help. But that's not what we mean. At least that's not what I would say any NA member I would go out and poll right now would say, no, this is how the program works. We want to tell you what you want to do about your problem, which is be completely abstinent in the way we decide it was okay. It's not what the literature says. It says we want to know what you want to do about your problem and how can we help you with that? Yeah, but we can't help you with your MAT problem. <laughs> like that's not, you can say that's your problem. That doesn't say we can help you with any problem that you ever have. It says, what is your problem and how can we help? And you might have some problems that we say, we can't help you with that. I'm sorry. Well, but it that's says not, what you want to do about your problem. And right. that is not how Narcotics Anonymous in my understanding works. We do not really give a fuck what people want to do about their problem. We tell them to get a sponsor and take suggestions and do what the fuck everybody else wants them to do about their problem. And I don't think that works. Yeah, but you can take that and do that general thing and be like, well, someone's moving and they say they need some help moving. Then we say, okay, we can help you move or we can't help you. I mean, yeah, life of service. Yeah. That's but one of our goals. <laughs> if you take, like say, you got to put it in the context of what it is. Like there's a, a circle or a bubble of what I think NA is. And and that's might've been where we different, differentiate is that I don't, I think it can help with any types of addiction. And I've actually known people that have come in that don't have a drug problem and have used the program for those things. But I don't think that's what NA does well. I think that's a side benefit of 12 steps, like that it can help in any areas of your life. I feel like the literature that talks about the drug addiction just being a symptom to me clearly states 
this addiction problem isn't about the drugs. The drugs were a terrible manifestation. They were a piece of it that brought us a lot of us to our bottoms. But I've heard of people who had bottoms using drugs and then got clean and then ended up back. In, it's, it's your fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you're one of those people that I've heard. Your bottom at the end when you got clean wasn't really the worst place in your drug use. No. Right. So you came in to deal with the addiction the way you still felt even when the super drug problems weren't relevant. So it wasn't really about coming in to deal with, I'm shooting fucking heroin. You were yeah, but my identification that was that my life had been controlled by drugs. Like I had yeah. made all decisions centered around getting and using and finding ways and means to get more and that that was my life coping skills. And then I needed other coping skills to come in and deal with life. Yes. But I don't. So. <laughs> right. Yes. So the guy on Suboxone isn't here to worry about the fucking heroin problem anymore. He's got that under control with a medically assisted doctor helping him. Right. Prescribing a medication. Now he needs coping skills to deal with life. Which is what NA gives you. Yeah, I would argue, depending on how you're using that medication and what you're doing, this is me personally, this is not NA, me personally would be like, depending on how you're using that medication and what you're doing is going to help me decide whether I feel like I can help you with that or not, well, whether that I feel like. That's where I feel like it's none of our fucking business. It's not our business to say, uh, let me evaluate if he's using this medication correctly. or Like if the doctor prescribed it and that's what he's doing. That's not for me to decide, oh, well, he looks a little pinned in his eyes today. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I wouldn't that even that's... want that job. Yeah. Right, right. Like, that's, like, who the fuck But that's am why I to there's a out? stance that if you're on a medicated assisted program, we don't generally. Which think is that crazy that's because that's, you just said, I came to be in recovery to get coping skills with life. It wasn't really about the drug use. But, right, then... but NA doesn't say we help every single addict everywhere with any problem that they have they say this is a program this is what we have to offer this is what we do and how we do it and it's free and anyone can come and anyone can do it and there's no requirements but you still have some conditional things there there are still some conditions that say this is what we do and this is how we do it it doesn't say every drug addict everywhere gets to come here and get clean and celebrate clean time and have all of what we have yes and at the bottom line those conditions are completely fucking made up because nicotine and caffeine are drugs and we still do them and we're fine with it sure but it's a consensus of the people that are here that believe that. yes yes and that's so, why we need the people so, yeah. to start hearing this episode and realizing that this is all fucking made up and we can let people on suboxone try to get these life coping skills that might help them one day get off suboxone if that's what our belief is the right way right let them hang out be a part of get the life coping skills that i would call recovery Right, because that's the old distinction. Like, uh, well, I had clean time, but I didn't relapse because I never actually or recovered. Or evolve, or expand, or find a program that works for them. I mean, we don't ah. say that we're the program for everybody. I mean, and, I've told people. So one of the things I say a lot is, this is not a program for people that you know need it. It's for people that want it. If you want what we have, this is what we do. You know what I mean? Really but it doesn't say anybody that wants recovery comes here and gets it. I mean, it's just. I don't know. That might sound. Did you go to detox, Jenny? No. 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 But you know, now uh, we do. We have gotten some people in recovery Dharma who who are on MATs that did feel rejected by NA. Yeah. And um. Oh, I'm they, sure it happens. I don't doubt that. So recovery Dharma because it's like more open. You know, we don't really celebrate. I mean, we you know, if you tell me you're two years clean, I'm like great. Right. You know, and but we don't. You know, we don't judge and jury them. 
Are you on suboxone? <laughs> Put them under the white <laughs> light. Yeah. <laughs> Are you really clean? Yeah. So, uh, where when you detoxed when you got sober? Yep. Sober. I, yeah. I didn't detox for good. Oh. Yeah. You didn't detox. You no, just... I just went to outpatient rehab. That's detox. Oh, all right. I mean, you had to stop. Very well. Detox is taking the intoxicants <laughs> out, right, or letting them get out, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a difference between detox and rehab, but. There is. That's but not I, for the show. I, I, yeah, the, I mean, the detox, and I'm just saying, like, getting the things out of your body. Like, okay. the toxins are no longer in your body. So, that period of time. So, you went to outpatient rehab. Where did they suggest that you go for support? Um, did they, they said suggest 12 support steps, groups? AA or NA, whichever right. I preferred. Right, right. And this is what I, one of the things that I try to use in this argument with Billy when we talk about it is that. NA and AA are the fucking hub of recovery. They're still where everybody gets sent. You don't, I don't think you're going to treatment and they're like, well, hmm, you're thinking about using Suboxone. So why don't you, maybe you should attend smart recovery instead of NA. Like, I don't think that's going on. I think he's blaming the fellowship for what doctors or people that don't even come to the fellowship tell them. Yes. I'm blaming (laughs) the fellowship. Which isn't fair. That's not Because we're the people who have sat at these these uh you know detox yeah, we printed an ip stuff. that tells them specifically that they're not fucking clean no like, and we're supposed to give this to medicated well, people that prescribe this I, shit so if they turn around and tell somebody to fucking go to na that's not na's fault we have I, literature that specifically addresses that this literature he's talking about is a pamphlet he was just reading which came out a year ago i think but we've had a pamphlet called one. Four Professionals that's been out for over 20 years that I sent him over the week because we kind of had this argument a couple of weeks we've ago, too. We've had a bullet too. in 29 that's been out for a long time, too, to specifically address that before right. this IP. But the the literature that was for professionals, the wording in it never defined Narcotics Anonymous abstinence, right? It but just that's said, why Bullet in 29 came out. Cause but that's not for professionals, so doctors weren't going to read that. But this is what I'm telling you. Like, doctors aren't going to read NA's Bulletin 29. They're going to read the the pamphlet that we give out at medical fairs that we've been sitting at for years that says, for professionals. They're like, oh, I'm a professional. I'll read this. And it never makes the fucking distinction of what NA's version of clean is versus what a doctor thinks clean is. Because a doctor who treats you with Suboxone thinks you're clean because he's prescribing medicine and you're taking it as prescribed. And to him, in his mind, in the medical field, that's clean. And so without that distinction, NA has sat at these medical fairs for years, decades. They're the only place people have seen. There's no recovery Dharma table at the fucking medical fair. There's no smart recovery, right? It's yeah, but you step. know why people are there? Because it works exactly like it was designed. One of the reasons that it's so great is that, and it's become a hub of recovery is because it's designed a specific way to help it's become a hub of recovery because it's the name that got out there. Just like Kleenex happens to be the name that got out there for tissues, right? I it was don't successful. Agree. Yeah, it wanted I... to grow and it was successful. And I think it holds a share of the blame of why everyone sent there because yeah, it I worked. With that. I can't say that that's doesn't NA have like a tradition too that like for no outside influence. I I forget the wording. It's an a yes. So um, is it hanging out at doctors' fairs, kind of outside influence? And wow. well, NA wanted to grow and get money, and so they've like they can put up billboards even though they're not supposed to advertise, and it's about attraction over promotion, right? So we've we've fiddled these lines, and this is the part I'm talking about where I think NA has a role. in And this. that's its whole own debate because I we could go down that rabbit hole. I don't necessarily agree that putting up a billboard on 95 that says drug problem need to talk and puts an 800 number. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's advertising. 
I don't think that that's soliciting people. But if you don't let people know that you exist and you don't let people know that there's a fucking program that helps with drug addiction that's free, how do you expect them to know? You know what I mean? Like you got to get like how is AA get its name out there? They don't. We don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, like, I think having this outside affiliation with medical people and then the complication of what's clean is exactly the, you know, the confrontation they were trying to avoid, maybe, when they said, all right, don't, don't yeah, get Yeah, but AA with- goes to those medical fairs, too. Do they? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and they have IPs only. and pamphlets written specifically yeah, I, I to address those issues, too. I haven't heard the discussion of, is it, because uh, there's that, that drug that- um when you, you get sick if you drink alcohol? like is it, No. I know what you're talking so, about. So but people yeah, right, sometimes right, right. get prescribed that when they're trying to get sober. And I mean, are they sober Anabies? if they're still taking that drug? But Yeah, I think that's what's I mean, called. Anabies. Maybe that's just the what they're, you know, when they say don't get affiliated with outside things, like doctors, this is what they're, you know, because the definition of clean is being. So, and part of the problem know, comes from, I think this is tends to be more the issue that Jason's talking about than really the the if you want to call it advertising, advertising is that most of treatment centers and stuff are people from addiction and people that have had these problems that go to 12-step fellowships. So then they go to their treatment center or their job and they say, hey, you need to do this because this is what works. And it's people in their misapplication of the traditions because they are, you know, getting skewed. But I don't know. You can't. It's It's hard to say, well, that's the fellowship's fault. Because they didn't address every individual's violations of these traditions, you know, it's it's, it's really less tough. to me about whether it's the fellowship's fault and do we want to be fucking helpful or do we want to continue to live in this land where we think we can just hold these ego based principles about clean time, but when it's hurting society, right? But you have an opinion that if we do something different, if we change and morph into something else, that that will be better. And there's people that would argue that if we change and morph into something else, we won't be able to do what we're doing now. And mm-hmm. there's not a way to. I see Billy's point because say, there is something else. There is other things out there. So right. if you don't like but NA, everybody. you can And that's shop where around. NA came from, They're is because there, AA didn't mm-hmm. want to accept them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like NA spurred because AA people were like, look, we're not about that. We'll help you start a new thing over here. And now they but are about We're that. not about that. And. And, and they're evolving and changing. And, and look I'm not how saying wrong they were. <laughs> look how wrong they were. Now they are that about that. Wrong. Sure they are. Now they are about that. Obviously, they've changed because they realized over time, oh, fuck, we were wrong. Now all the heroin makes them wrong. I mean, they AA. might not sure have been does. able to help the millions of people that they helped if they had been something different back then. I mean, you can't say just because they've changed an idea means they were wrong. I don't know. I just, look, I've held the standpoint you've held, right? I've said, why don't they just start Suboxone Anonymous meetings? Uh, I have joked that they won't because people in Suboxone don't have that kind of motivation and initiative, right? I've been crude about it. Like, I get it. I just, at this point in my life, think what's more helpful to society? And that's where I want to be. And I feel like this stance is only doing harm. I don't see the positive in it. I don't see how letting people on Suboxone celebrate is going to change somebody's mind coming in of whether they want to be some version of completely abstinent or some other version of completely abstinent. Like it's still just because somebody on Suboxone celebrates doesn't mean I got to go get on Suboxone. 
Like I still get to be clean in my version of it and people coming in will still get to choose that. And I don't see the harm. We're not saying, oh, well, everybody's got to be on Suboxone now. Maybe I'm it's stuck on stigma, but I think it does. I think it changes our message if we say that you can use drugs to treat addiction and or to treat your drug symptoms and you can come here. Like I think well, it changes we, our message. But we I say think it you can work with doctors. Are. You can work with doctors and come here. Right. But I mean, if you say that you're clean. I don't know. And again, we come back to this clean, which I think is yeah. ill-defined and fucking skewed and subjective anyway. If we get to sit around and debate whether the person in our meeting, well, they had 20 years, but now they were in a car accident and they're on pain medicine. Do we think they're abusing it or not? Oh, well, he does still use nicotine and caffeine. Do we think like if we can have that fucking subjective debate, then to me, the whole definition of clean is a fucking opinion anyway. And there's no reason that we're holding it so strongly that we're killing people. Mm, I don't know. And I think we kill people if we tell them that, that it, you know, I think we kill people the other way. So, well, <laughs> but know, the like, research I, says that's I not, just, the research I think if says, you change what NA is, there's a fuck ton of people that are going to be like, nah, them people are all on fucking drugs. They're not really, but, they're not really doing anything any different. They just substituted one for another and now they're fucking. Okay. But the whole push for harm reduction is the fact that the numbers greatly show. That Suboxone is saving lives. Harm reduction methods are saving lives. 100%. I support MATs and right. all that stuff. So the numbers I just are don't think there. that Narcotics Anonymous should change. For and that. I don't think like, it I is changing. I don't think changing. those two are synonymous. But I don't like, think it is changing. I think we fucking make it up and debate it and, and it's opinion now. I don't think there's no, it's not a, oh, this is the hard facts about being clean. And that was the point of this episode. Is well, there's no the hard facts about clean? anything in recovery. I mean, to be honest, like someone's so amount not... of time has nothing to do with how many steps they worked or if they even work steps or if they even do any of okay. that. So recovery in, in general is very, very subjective. It's a very so if our open-ended whole, concept. <laughs> if our whole idea of clean is subjective in the first place, if it's all an opinion to begin with, right? Why are we so willing to hold so staunchly to our right opinion that we're saying when the numbers in science say less people die if we don't? Less people die if we accept Suboxone. Less people die if we accept that these methods are keeping people alive. But we're going to let our subjective opinion of clean time... Except Suboxone. I mean, again, you're making these connections that I don't make. Like, but it's NA doesn't say away. that it's wrong. NA doesn't say they shouldn't Billy, do it. NA Billy. doesn't say it's not a good thing. But we've walked through this step by that, step and said that these people we pushed out when we tell them they're not clean, no matter how nice we are. And I've said there's been people, at least two examples, maybe not as many, but there's been examples of people that have found recovery here and that haven't felt pushed out and that have been able to do it. Yeah, but how many people have died while those two found clean? Right. Like, How many people would die if we changed what NA meant and did it the other they, way? Why would they, though? Why would they? Yeah. Because if I came, so when I got clean in 2000, if I came and there was a bunch of people on methadone, I wouldn't, there would be no legitimacy to what was happening in Narcotics Anonymous. It would, to me, it would be synonymous as if you went to an AA meeting and people said, I don't drink heavy anymore. I don't go to the bar, but I drink wine every night with dinner, but I'm still sober. Like that would, that's to me would be the same analogy. And I would not have fucking stayed and been like, that is not their bullshit. I mean, that just would have been my opinion. Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. That's the, the perception. And I think if you ask most people, that would be how they would feel. I mean, so 
when the guy shared in the meeting recently, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Sorry, Jenny. I know. <laughs> no, Paul, you, here you know I love listening to you guys <laughs> chat. <laughs> the guy in the meeting shared about how he's not really thinking antidepressants are. He didn't say they weren't clean. But he had a strong opinion about people who use them and, and what that meant about whether they were recovering or not. And somebody in the meeting after him, me, shared an opposite view, right? And I think that's, I think that's responsible in any meeting when there's a strong opinion one way or another and somebody else holds another opinion. Like I think both of those things are valid and, and there. There might be the guy who needs to hear antidepressants uh, uh, are not clean and that's he's going to pick the first guy to be his sponsor and then there might be the guy who's like fuck I just took antidepressants I'm definitely picking the second guy to be my sponsor right there's an attraction to both of those opinions and that's what I'm saying if we let people on Suboxone stay clean people can still have their opinions and both of those can be shared in the meeting I don't think you're going to walk into AA and all 30 members are going to be like yeah we all had wine at dinner last night somebody's going to be like oh man you know I don't do the whiskey no more I have one glass of wine at dinner my doctor said it was good for my heart and then somebody else is going to share yeah I can't do that for me that would like cause me to drink whiskey afterwards so I don't drink wine at all like I think both of those opinions could exist and it doesn't ruin the legitimacy like you're talking about of our program. Just like both of those opinions exist about antidepressants or about Xanax or about the guy who had 25 years but got in a motorcycle accident and now takes Percocets. Like both of those opinions are, are already there anyway. So I don't think it ruins and people die because of that. Yeah, I just uh, the opinions of the individual members don't make up the fellowship i guess like the you know people are going to have opinions either way of whether they think you're clean or not or whether they think you should celebrate or not but i think the fellowship in general has a consensus about what those things mean and as For of no now that's reason. in our literature i, I mean the majority I opinion like if you want to call it majority opinion, then it's majority opinion, maybe. I mean, I don't know. And that's why they get the cult reputation. They're a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, these things, they, they do have a general understanding amongst people that go to that fellowship. Like, there are general understandings. I mean, again, when someone says they're sober, if you walk into a meeting and say that you're sober in an AA meeting, that has a pretty general under, like people pretty much understand what that means, and that's important. And when people come to an NA meeting and say that they're clean, that has a general understanding within that context. I mean, I you can go on social anymore. media and say whatever you want. I mean, I hear people say they're clean, but they still smoke weed and all kinds of shit, and I don't really care. I'm great. You're clean. That's great. I don't doesn't affect me at all. I don't know what clean means anymore. But if you want to, you know, come to my home group and celebrate, and you're on some sort of drugs in any form we would probably have to have a talk about it <laughs> mm. and and figure it out i'm going to start bringing up a group conscience and vote on whether people can celebrate if they've smoked or had caffeine or taken any prescribed medicine or uh, i'm gonna <laughs> start fucking rocking the boat uh yeah. i feel like to, to it won't rock it you'll be the one that votes yes and everybody else will yeah, vote, probably. you know or no and everybody else will vote yes and they'll think you're crazy but uh, so because there's a generalized understanding of yeah. what those things mean. I think I think to talk further is to to talk a little in circles and rehash the same stuff. I think we've we've done a justice. Um, 
you know, the idea of what is clean. And so I invite everybody out there to really think about that, right? Like how opinionated is this clean idea? Why do we give it so much weight that it seems to shame members who who do something else or who we decide aren't clean by our decided version of that? Because I think we all have a slightly different, even though there might be a somewhat generalized agreement I think we all have a slightly different idea of what clean is uh, when it really comes down to the specifics. And and outside of NA, I've heard actually some different ideas about this. I was looking at some stuff online and in recovery forums and stuff, and there was a general thing. A lot of people feel that like being clean is, I, I forget how they say it exactly, but it's like living the best version of yourself as a version of being clean, which I thought that was pretty cool and like opening and inviting. And then there's another discussion that goes on about at least in the broader recovery community of whether we should even be using that type of language because it uh, assimilates like clean as being good and using as being like dirty or bad. And, and those are really negative concepts that don't help the general recovery, you know, movement. So if you're not clean, you're dirty. There's lots of forum discussions on all that stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Jenny? Staying clean, living dirty. No, know. but I mean, this is fascinating because you know, I you know, I listen to your podcast, so now I'm just like listening live. <laughs> you know, thanks for letting me interject. Because sometimes when I listen at home, I talk to you guys, and you, you're not there. This time, gotta, <laughs> this time I got to interject live. I think <laughs> you should say that. <laughs> There's recording. a little guilt. I was like, we want your opinion, and then we argued. Most of it. All right. So uh, that's all for this week. Think about what clean really means to you and uh, debate it with all your fellow friends and peers. Debate it on Twitter. See if you can change people's mind. (laughs) Stay safe. (laughs) Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.